שיעור מספר 178 של הרב אלכס ישראל בנושא Are we waiting for משיח or is he waiting for us? בוקר טוב. שאי סביב עיניי ערכו ראי, כולם נקבצו, באו לך. חי אני נאום השם, כי כולם כעדי תלבשי ותקשרים ככלה. ישעיהו, in פסוקים, in הפטרות that we read as the נחמה, talks about how everyone is gathered to you, he's talking about Yerushalayim, that you, Yerushalayim, wear your people like jewelry, they adorn you like a bride. And these words which Yishayahu says about Yerushalayim somehow feel appropriate on these Yimei Tanakh here in Alon Shvut with this wonderful gathering of so many people to learn Torah here. Indeed, Kulam Nikbatsu Ba'olach and it's really an incredible sight to have so many people here spending these nine days uh, together um, in such a tikkun learning Torah Baharei Huda. Today we also have an honor to be joined to the broadcasting Uh, overseas to communities around the world. So we want to say welcome to La Karov La Rachok and welcome to all. When I was in uh, ninth grade, a rumor went around my school. I don't know where it came from. I don't know who spread the rumor. Now thinking back, I wonder whether it was somebody trying to get a few minutes off class. But the rumor was that the Mashiach was coming. Yes, he was coming on Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock. Some believed it. I have to admit I was one of the skeptics, but others didn't. Others, and um, I recall some students coming with white shirts to school. One person even came in his Shabbos suit. And they were trying to convince the teachers that at 10 o'clock exactly they should stand up the Kabel Penei Mashiach Tzidkeinu. This will not be the first example Uh, the first instance of false messiahs in the history of Judaism. <laughs> But how exactly is Mashiach going to come? Will it just be one day in school on Wednesday at 10 o'clock? Just like that. Um, the belief in uh, the coming of Mashiach in our national redemption and restoration is fundamental. It appears in virtually every Sefer of Nevi'im And it has driven Jewish hope for thousands of years. And yet, it can be very dangerous. From Bar Kokhba to Shabtai Tzvi, we've experienced individuals who raised hope of redemption but became false messiahs with disastrous fallout. And I would argue that in our era in particular, after the momentous events of the 20th century, from modern Zionism, through the trauma of the Shoah and the triumph of the establishment of our beloved state of Israel, let alone the unification of Yerushalayim, the issue has been exacerbated. Theology has been thrust into something of a tailspin. Some talk about Reshit Smichat Kolatenu. Other, even religious people, refuse to see the divine hand in the state of Israel. Ben-Gurinim himself, not exactly a paragon of religion, spoke of Israel in messianic overtones. I quote, he spoke about Israel as an instrument for the realization and implementation 
of the vision of redemption. Or another quote, without the hope for messianic, for the messianic redemption and the profound attachment to the ancient homeland, the state of Israel would never have been established. That's a direct quote from Ben-Gurion. And yet, we have had occasion to witness the danger of translating this messianic hope into this realistic, this worldly framework. And I'll just give you one example. I recall, with, even when I think about it, with quite a bit of trepidation, sometime in the, in the 1980s, the discovery of the Machteret Yehudit, the Jewish underground. I think the Chil, I remember seeing it on the TV screens, the Chil Hashem was, was great. Here we had, you know, people with uh, long beards, big kippot sugot, bachorei yeshiva, who had maimed uh, mayors of Arab towns and attempted to blow up uh, school buses with Arab school children on. They had a plan to blow up Har Habayit. And they were trial, put on trial and sent to jail. Many years later, I saw an interview with one of the leaders of that group, uh, Yehudai Tzion. And the interviewer asked him why they did it. What were they thinking? Uh, you know, what? And he said very simply, he said, in 1948 we saw God in history in the establishment of the State of Israel. In 1967, at the Kotel, we came back to Harhabait Biadenu, to Shiloh and to Hebron. And now, we're talking about 1982, the Camp David Accords, we saw Israel retreated, giving land over to our enemies, so he said. And his point was, we have to put the redemption back on track. These men thought they understood the divine plan. Uh, maybe they forgot the words of Ishayahu who said, And they presumed to know better than God how redemption would unfold. So, ladies and gentlemen, we understand this is a sensitive and powerful topic. And our objective today will be to give some shape to the notion of redemption and offer a few alternative models uh, given to us by Tanakh, so we might gain some insight into the texture, the pros and cons, the pluses and minuses, and the mechanisms of the redemptive process. Are we waiting for God, or is God waiting for us in the process of redemption? You have hopefully source sheets in front of you, so let's look at source number one, which is, and then we'll, we'll dive into Tanakh after that. And we see this is actually a debate between two Amoraim. This is a Gemara Masechet Sanhedrin, which opens up a lot of the um, issues of Mashiach. And let's just read a little bit together. Amorav, Kalu Kola Kitsin, Ve'ein Hadavar Talui, Ela Bichuva Umasim Tovim. This is actually a remarkable statement by Rav. Rav, we're talking about the first generation of Amoraim, um, started in Eretz Israel. He actually moved, migrated to Bavel. But if you think about Rav living in the early third century, and he says, Kalu kol hakitzin, all the times that Mashiach should have come, have come and gone. Kalu kol hakitzin, we thought he might come, I don't know, 70 years after the Korban, 120. 
He's talking here. How many years after the Chorban? Think about where he is historically and think about where we are. All the times have come and gone. If there was a time, it would have been here already. So what is it dependent on? It is dependent on us reforming ourselves and us improving ourselves. Or Shmuel. Shmuel, the other Amora says, It is enough for a mourner to remain in his mourning. Let's explain this a little. Of course, we all know that when somebody mourns, they have seven days of Shiva. They have Shloshim. They have Shtemasar Chodesh. But somebody wants to sit Shiva two weeks, we'll say to them, no, right, you sit Shiva for one week. Shloshim is Shloshim and no more. Sometimes it's shorter. But in other words, okay, there is only a fixed time. That's what Shmuel wants to say. And Avel has a certain time to mourn and then it's over. Or maybe if I put it in different terms, if we can imagine the line, that uh, if in some way the galut is as a result of some sort of sin, if somebody commits an offense, somebody robs a bank, somebody you know, commits some other offense and they get uh, taken, put on trial and they're condemned and they're sent to, to jail, they get sent 20 years for armed robbery. And then, when 20 years are finished, good behavior or bad behavior? They're finished. They've done their time. They have finished their term. They're let out of jail. If we sinned, there must be a point at which whatever sins we're guilty of, we've done our time. We've paid our dues. And we get let out of jail. We get let out of gullet. In other words, okay, according to the first opinion, Rav, um, there are no dates, it's dependent on us. According to Shmuel, there's a fixed time. We're waiting for God to end it. When's the end of Shiva? When's the end of my prison term? The Gemara continues and says, Ketanai, that this is like a Machloket Tanaim. It's not exactly like the Machloket Tanaim, we'll see. Here we go back a couple of generations to the teachers of Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Eleazar, and Rabbi Yoshua, where Rabbi Eleazar says it's all dependent on tshuva. The Geula will come when we reform ourselves, when we come back to Hashem, nigalim, We won't be redeemed. Rabbi Yashur responds and says, Im sin tshuva, nigalim. How can that be? What happens if the Jewish people never do tshuva? Then will there never be a redemption? HaKadosh will make sure that there is some sort of evil despot who's even worse than Haman. And Yisrael osim tshuva umachziran mutav. I'm not going to question the assumption here that severe anti-Bitsemitism generates tshuva, because I think we've seen that it can do that, and it can do the opposite. <laughs> so we won't challenge that assertion, but again, what is the argument here? Okay, according, it's interesting, both, both Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yeshua agree that the key here is tshuva. But the question is, who kickstarts the process? How does the process happen? According to Rabbi Yoshua, 
it has, Am Yisrael have to do tshuva, and that's the way it goes. Sorry, according to Rabbi Eliezer, um, Am Yisrael have to do tshuva, and they kickstart the process. According to Rabbi Yoshua, if we don't do tshuva, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will force us to do tshuva. We are, so to speak, God might be waiting for us, but if we don't deliver, we're waiting for God, and God is going to kickstart the Messianic process. So this is um, the machloket that we see in the Tanaim and in the Amoraim. And what I want to claim is that this is not only an argument of our sages, but it is in fact an argument between two Svarim in our Torah. And that when we look at the model of redemption, which is offered by Sefer Devarim, and Sefer Vayikra, we'll see two completely different mechanisms. So now we get to the time where we have to open our Tanakhs. Um, if you don't have a Tanakh, I, I think they ask people to bring Tanakh. If you don't have one, I think today your phone will probably suffice. Um, so let's turn to Sefer Dvarim. We'll start off in Perak Dalat, which actually is our Kriyat HaTorah for Tisha B'Av. Dvarim Perak Dalat. The Tanakh sources are not on the source sheet, sorry. You're going to have children, grandchildren, you're going to be in the land for a long time. And you are going to commit idolatry. You're going to anger God. God says that he witnesses, he testifies that we will perish from the land and we will not remain there long. And And we will be scattered amongst all of the nations where God will lead, will lead us. What will happen at the end of this process? Skip a Pasuk and Pasuk Chavtet. And from there, Misham, Uvikashtem, you will see God. You will find Him. Because you will seek Him with all your heart and all your soul. But when all of these things happen to you, to you, at the end of days, and you will return to God and you will listen to His voice. In other words, we have a process of exile. And how does the redemption happen? Because we return to God. This is going to be consistent through uh, another place in Sefer Dvarim. If you just turn forward to uh, the end of the Sefer, and let's look at Peret Lamed. Chapter 30. This sometimes is referred to as the Parshat HaTshuva, Perek Lamed, in Parshat Nitzavim. Perek Lamed Pasuk Aleph. When all these things happen to you, Habracha, you have the Bracha, which is the coming into the land, and the flourishing in the land, and then the Vahaklala. The Klala is the terrible Tochacha, 
which is just uh, listed in the previous Prakim in chapter 28. So you've been in the land, you've been exiled from the land, and now we are in a situation where we suffered all those horrors and all those tragedies and all the abuses of exile. What happens? Um, I'm sure many of you in the room are familiar with the notion of a milamancha, a leading word, a, a word which recurs time after time after time, um, sometimes seven times or more in a particular parsha. In this parsha, it is the word lashuv. And the first stage of the swinging of the pendulum back to redemption and I have to articulate what I mean by redemption in a couple of minutes but is the first stage is used with the verb lashuv which I assume means how would we translate that it's not literally your return to your heart it means you'll think things over you'll start pondering why is the state of the Jews why are we dispersed around the world why is our state situation so miserable and the next stage is Pasuk Bet you will return to God again those, play, those phrases are repeated as they were in Devarim Dalud you will return to God you will listen to God you will actually do what we call Tshuva you will repent you will return to what we might call observance. And now an interesting thing happens. Pasuk Gimel. God will return your captives. He will have mercy on you. Notice twice here the, the verb Lashuv. But God now is bringing back, and God is maybe even in the second Lashuv. He will reciprocate. Now we have Kibbutz Galuyot, the return of the exiles. And here are Psukim that we mention in our Tfilah Lishlom Amdina. If your scattered are in the edges of the heavens, I will bring them back. They will inherit the land. It'll be even better and more numerous than it was in earlier generations. By the way, it continues. And we're going to see how this process escalates and moves upwards and upwards. We'll just read a few more psukim. Pasuk vav. God will circumcise your hearts. What does that mean? The Rabban says, obviously, it doesn't mean a physical circumcision of the heart. What it means is a sense of spiritual refinement. God will allow us to be spiritually refined. So that we will... Moreover, Pasuk God will defeat our enemies. And the last stage is... You will continue to serve God. And then Pasuk Tet. God will expand you, your population growth, an economic growth, and agricultural growth. 
כי ישוב השם לסוס עליך לטוב, because God will rejoice over you for good, כאשר סס על אבותיך, as he rejoiced over your forefathers. כי תשמע בכל השם אלוקיך, לשמור מצוותיו וחוקותיו הכתובה בספר התורה הזה. I want you to note a few things about this particular passage in the Torah. The first is the question of subject and object. Who is the major actor in this process of tshuva, where the central word which occurs time after time is lashuv? It starts off, of course, in Pasuk Aleph and Bet, with the subject being Am Yisrael. Am Yisrael take their situation to heart. Am Yisrael um, return back to God spiritually. But then, the actor becomes God. God will bring us back. God will take us back to the land. In other words, the focus shifts back to Hashem. Then Hashem will circumcise our heart. He will make it easier for us to keep Torah. He will, so to speak, as the Ramban says, take away our Yetzahara in some way. And then um, it moves back to Am Yisrael, where Am Yisrael, Pasukhet, Va'atatashuf, you return. Then, in response, Hashem replies, Ki yashuv Hashem lasusalecha, kashesasalavotecha. This is, I think, what we call a relationship. It starts with God, it moves back to Israel, it moves back to God, it moves back to Israel, it moves back to God. And I want to pay attention to the fact that this is not what we ordinarily call repentance. Um, I'll say a few words about redemption in a minute, but I want you to, to pay attention to what this is. Because here we have, if you want, a broad palette of modes of return. We have psychological processes or processes of motivation. Behavioral, we change our behavior. Geographical, we return back to the land. We have the demographic expansion, economic expansion. This is not just repentance. It's an entire process of restoration, rehabilitation, where a nation which is really a nation in exile, not a nation at all, is restored to its national land and to its state of being, meaning that will be restored to the fullest sense of nationhood. So this is the process that we see here, but I, I want to stress, it is kick-started how? We're going to start the process. We start doing this, God reciprocates, but uh, we're the ones who begin and v'shavta adashem. That is going to be model one, the model of Sefer Devarim. Now let's look at model two, which is very different. And that will be at the end of the Tochacha in Vayikra. We're going to turn to Sefer Vayikra, Perek Vav, chapter 26 in Vayikra. And of course there we also have a Tochacha, the process of the Brachot and Klalot, in Bechukotai Teilechu. If you listen to my laws, you'll have blessings. If you don't listen to my laws, you'll suffer exile. The process of bracha and kala, the tochacha. So we're looking at Sefer Vayikra, Perek Havav. And there I'd like you to turn to the end of the process um, and we'll see what exactly happens here. 
Um, let's start from verse 38, Pasuk Lamed Chet. Pasuk Lamed Chet. Vavadatem bagoyim, terrible psukim, you will wander around the nations, or you will be destroyed amongst the nations. And the land of your enemies will eat you up. Chapter 26, verse 38, 39. The people are still sinning. So it says here in verse 39, they are wallowing in their sin. And now we'll see a change. Pasuk Mem. They will confess their sins and the sins of their forefathers for the transgressions they've done and because they disobeyed me. And we'd expect that the minute they confess their sins, God will respond, but God doesn't. And we'll see why. He says, I will also be hostile to them and the way the Mepharshim understand this is, and we will see it in the Ramban in a second, is that though the people confess their sins, they do not change. Why does God remain hostile? He says, okay. Maybe their uncircumcised heart will then be subdued. In other words, maybe they'll change. Or the other option is that they will pay off their debt. Means that they will pay off their sin. As we said before with the prison sentence, they will do their time. Well, let's see what happens. Why does God redeem us in this mechanism? Pasuk Membet. I will remember Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and I'll remember the land. Maybe what they're saying is, maybe what they're saying is, is that it's not only that he will remember Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, but he will remember the promise of the land to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Not only will the people pay off their sins, but the land will be desolate and it will pay off its Shabbatot. We're going to come back to this in a minute, but pay attention to this notion. Vatiretz et Shabtoteha, which means that apparently we have not been keeping Shemitah, we have not been keeping the sabbatical years, and the land will take back its sabbatical in its desolation. The land will be desolate because, not because we're keeping Shemitah, but because no one's living there. In other words, it will, by virtue of its emptiness, claim back its Shabbatot, Bashamamehem in its desolation, Vehem Yirtsuritavonam, and they will pay back their sins, Yan of the Yan, Galanavsham, because they've rejected my, my um, laws. But despite their sinning, says God, I will not reject the people. And it will end here in Pasuk Mem. Here in Pasuk Mem. Uh, hey. Why does God redeem us 
in the model of Vayikra Perakhafaf. Is it because we have done tshuva? Do we change? It seems like the main mechanism is V'zacharti lahem brit rishonim V'zacharti et brit avraham et yisab et yakov et aret In other words, we are redeemed not because of ourselves, but we are redeemed despite ourselves. This is what we call Zuchut Avot. And when we say on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, La Brit Habeit Val Tefena Yetzer, and when we appeal to Brit Avot on our Yamim Noraim, what we're actually saying is, interestingly enough, is, is we might not have done Shuva, but we're your children, we're the, we're the, we're the, we're the grandchildren of Avram Yitzhak Yaakov. We should have Zuchut Avot. This dichotomy between the model of Dvarim and the model of Vayikra is articulated by the Ramban. And you'll see this in the third source, source number three on your sheet. Sorry, it's not translated. I want you to, uh, on your sheets, you'll see source number three. Here he's talking in Vayikra Perech and he says, Look at the Gula here. All he says is he will remember the covenant of the forefathers of his Chirata Aretz. Pasuk Membet. It doesn't say he'll forgive them. And that their love will be renewed. Notice it says, he doesn't say that he will bring us back. And now he says, Indeed, that was the, what happened when we came from Babel. Only a small fraction of the tribe of Yehuda and Binyamin and the Levim came back. And a few remnants from the Shvatim who were exiled to Babel, the Shavu Badalut, they came back in poverty, Ba'avdut Malchei Paras, they didn't have independence, they didn't have sovereignty, they were under the governance of the Persian Empire. The Gam Lo Amar Shiyashuvu Malafanav, and it doesn't say here in Vayikra that they will return in Shuva Shlema, Rak Shitvadu Avonam Avonavotam. Only that they will confess. And we find the various characters in Bait Shani times that indeed they did this like Daniel. Like Daniel says, We find Daniel confessing. And we find Nehemiah confessing. But now he says, What about Devarim? But if you look at the covenant in Devarim, and to the redemption that we will be redeemed, that there in Devarim, there is no fixed end. The law And there is no assurance of Gula Rak. It is totally dependent on repentance. Let's try and summarize what the Ramban is telling us. The first thing the Ramban is saying is he's verifying what we've seen in the Psukim. The model in Tavarim is indeed very different from the model in Vayikra. 
Vayikra, we are redeemed. Because of the promise to the Avot. Because of the land, because the land has paid off its debt, because the people have paid off their debt. And there is no tshuva. And in fact, in this model, we don't even see kibbutz kaluyot. It's almost as if we have not necessarily done the repair that we need to. Whereas in Devarim, there is a sense of absolute restoration, complete return. Where there is kibbutz kaluyot, umala shemed there is an escalation of our spiritual level and there is a total restoration of the nation to its nationhood and its spiritual level. That's the first level that the Ramban observes at a textual basis. The second thing he does is, is that he says, if you want to understand how this plays out in history, it plays out that Vayikra was mirrored in the first Galut, Galut Bavel. The Galut of the 70 years after the first temple between the first and second temple. And our current Galut, what we call Galut Edom, is the model of Devarim. And if you're wondering why we've been waiting 2,000 years, it's because we're playing for higher stakes. We're not waiting just to be redeemed because time's up. We're waiting to be redeemed because we've got to actually improve ourselves. This Galut, he says, is waiting for us to do tshuva shlema, and that's only dependent on ourselves. Now just in order to really see this in the Tanakh, um, let's turn to the end of um, Divrei Amim, the last pages of your Tanakh, where I think you will be able to see that what the Ramban is saying is, is clearly there. You're gonna, maybe you even never opened your Tanakh to these pages, I don't know. <laughs> But uh, literally, we're going to turn to the final page of your Tanakh. Divrei Hayamim Bet, the last chapter. And um, there we see, I guess it's appropriate to read these verses this week. Um, if we're going to look at Divrei Hayamim Bet, Perek Lamed Vav, we're going to look at Pasuk Yutet. And there we read the following. They burnt the house of God, the temple. And they destroyed the wall of Yerushalayim. And they burnt its palaces. And they were exiled to Babel. And now he explains how this works. And he says, Pasuk Chav Aleph, Lemalot, and this fulfills the prophecy of Yirmiyahu. Notice the language here. It's the language of Vayikra. And what's it telling us? That they only went into exile for 70 years. Why? Because of 70 Shemitahs they hadn't kept. By the way, think about it. That's actually a long time. 70 Shemitahs is 490 years. They found it difficult to keep Shemitah. Most of the first period in Eretz Israel, Shemitah is a very, very difficult mitzvah to keep. And it tells us that for 70 Shemitahs they didn't keep, 490 years, the land was empty for 70 years. But notice the mechanism here, that we have a decree articulated by Vayikra and also articulated by Yirmiyahu, 
70 years for 70 Shemitahs. But once we've done the 70 years, what happens? It's over, right? This is the Vayikra model. And that's exactly what the Ramban told us. And then it says, um, And so when this is all over, When the, if you want, Golot sentence of Yirmiyahu is finished, Koresh, wake, God wakes Koresh up and he makes the Cyrus declaration and now we can come home. Why did we come home at the end of the 70 years of Galut? Not because we've done Shuva, but because time's up. Right, the model that we saw in the Gemara, the model that we saw in Vayikra, Devarim, says, uh, says the Ramban, is a whole different mechanism. Now, when we think back to this and we think over these two models, one we're waiting for God, we're waiting for our jail sentence to be over. The other one, God is waiting for us to tshuva. The question might be, which model do we prefer? If we had a choice, which one would we go for? Um, on the one hand, Vayikra, Divrei model, seems convenient because, of course, it's quick. And, however bad we are, right? He'll come on Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock, right? Okay? <laughs> Whatever. You know, in other words, uh, it's still okay. But I would argue that we really don't want this model. And uh, I certainly, in this regard, would like to suggest that the Ramban is correct that we haven't been waiting for 2,000 years for this model. And let me explain why. If you can imagine, I don't know, maybe I'll use a, try and use a financial example. Imagine a, 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 a business, a company which is doing badly, it's, uh, it's not working well, and uh, it goes into receivership. So, I don't know, the courts say, oh gosh, they've got a thousand employees, we'll wipe off their bad debts, carry on with the business because, you know, people need a salary. But that wouldn't be very good because the company will keep on running at a deficit and we haven't improved anything, right? Imagine a, a marriage which breaks down and the marriage breaks down and the court command them for the sake of the kids Go back and live together, but they haven't done any marriage counseling, they haven't done any work on their relationship. It's clear that the relationship is not going to continue in a good way. This is the same thing. You can bring a people back after 70 years, but it's just going to fall apart. It makes sense that even though the shorter way would appear to be the way of Sefer Vayikra, where we get saved because of promises to the Avon and because Hashem wants the Jewish people to continue. But all that's going to create is an environment which is going to crumble and fall after that. And what we would prefer is a situation where we rebuild the relationship. And there is one, if I can just step back to Devarim for one minute. Um, if you look on your source sheet, one, uh, we missed out source number two. There's a very beautiful statement of Rashi. Um, there in Devarim. If you remember, we spoke about the subject. Who is the subject? It starts off with Am Israel in Devarim. They take it to mind. And Am Israel returned to God. But then, Hashem v'shav Hashem And Rashi is bothered by what seems like a grammatical anomaly. Let's look at the Rashi here. It's in source number two. And Rashi says, which means God will bring back your exiles. Rashi says, 
if we're talking about Am Yisrael's sins, then all we have to do is pay off our sins. However, if what we have with Hashem is a relationship, if one person leaves home, then the person who's still at home does not have a relationship. If God and Am Yisrael are in a relationship, then when we go into Galut, God isn't in the relationship anymore because, so to speak, his partner is gone. And therefore, when we go into Galut, God, so to speak, goes into Galut. And when we come home, God also comes home. God is restored to his original position. And this is my mind, Devarim is a beautiful expression of love. And when it says, for example, Ki yashuv Hashem I hear the music behind me of that we are, when we're dealing with the Dvarim model, the possibilities that we're dealing with here are of a much higher caliber. We're not just looking, so to speak, to get our sins absolved, but rather we are looking to absolutely rebuild the love with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We're looking to restore the entire fabric of the project, which is Judaism. And this brings me to one further point that I'd like to mention um, at this juncture, and then we'll, we'll see some, some more, uh, we'll see how we paskin, so to speak, in this argument between Vayikha and Dvarim, if there is such a thing. Um, when we talk about Mashiach, what are we talking about? I think that in this year so far, I've spoken a lot about redemption. I haven't spoken about Mashiach. And that is deliberate. <laughs> and let me explain why. Um, the word Mashiach is sometimes seen as some sort of like magic wand, which you wave and everything is perfect. So I just want to cut this phrase down to size. The phrase Mashiach simply means anointed. Who was anointed? The Kohen Gadol and the king. We say, The Melech is the Mashiach. If I wanted to say that, then I would simply say that all it means when we say we're waiting for Mashiach, it means we're waiting for a king. Or let's put it in our own language, we're waiting for sovereignty. We're waiting for governance. The Nativ, by the way, in his commentary to Devarim, says that in, in ancient times, everybody had a king. Now we have a democratic government. By the way, according to that definition, we are in Yomot HaMashiach. We have sovereignty. Says the Rambam in Hilchot Tzumalachim. Uh, he says, one of the opinions is that the only difference between Yomot HaMashiach and the world we live in is... Shibur Malkuyot, are we subservient to the nations? 
On that basis, we're in Yomot HaMashiach. Oh, but is that what we've been waiting for all this time? So one could say, somebody might say, yes, <laughs> you know, now we have our own country. We have the ability for Jews to have returned the Arba Kamfota Aretz to Eretz Israel. We've got an ability to protect ourselves. That's wonderful. We are definitely better here in 2019 than we were around the world in, you know, 1919, right? There is no doubt about that. And I think we are, feel it in our bones every second how lucky we are to live in this generation. And yet, what we are looking for, and whenever the Tanakh talks about Geula, talks about Mashiach in some way, it talks about a much wider set of things. It talks about the return of agriculture to Israel, but more importantly than any, it talks about the notion of Tzedek and Mishpat, a just society, a society with fairness and compassion. I'll read, for example, just one pasuk from Yahu. When we talk about Semach David, there'll be a king. It's not on the sheet, sorry. And he will do justice and staka, a fair society, a just society, an omit society, a generous society, with elements of assistance and not a brutal, cruel society. A society where we can expunge corruption. And that's when we talk about, and read this week's Haftarah, the Haftarah for Shabbat Chazon, where he talks about how Yerushalayim has to be a place of mishpat and sedek, rather than a place of uh, corruption and violence. So I would argue that we are, we put onto the word Mashiach a lot of different things. And that indeed, if we are really trying to build this very grand image of a national restoration, both in the physical sense and in the spiritual sense, whether it's in the Ben Adam, the Makom, or the Ben Adam, the Chavero, that indeed is a grand vision. And when Devarim has it in incremental steps, we take a step forward, God takes a step forward, we go higher and higher and higher and higher. That is indeed what we, I think, um, see developing in the Devarim model, which is a model of repair and restoration, rather than just simply a model of forgiveness. These two models stay with us over time. And uh, let's, we're going to look at a couple of the Korots to try and see how the rabbis related to the Vayikra model versus the Devarim model. So let's take a look at our sheets and we'll see the Ramba. And uh, let's take a look. We'll get back to source four. Sorry, there's a bit of a uh, mess up in the ordering. Let's take a look at the Ramba. The Ramba source five. All the prophets commanded about tshuva, and Am Israel will not be redeemed other than through tshuva. The Torah promised us, promised us that in the end we will do tshuva. We will have the dvarim model. God is waiting for us. We have to make the move. At the end of galut and then immediately they will be redeemed as it says. And look, he quotes Devarim Perek Dalit. So Devarim Perek Laman. Vayak Yavoy Lecha Kolin Rimeila. Vashav Dada Shemelokecha. Vashav Hashemelokecha. 
In other words, the Rambam Paskin has to be this one. I'm joking. But the Ramban and the Rambam both agree that the Devarim model is the model that we should be allying ourselves with. However, I would argue that both of these models always remain there. I'll read with you one little story, um, and a very beautiful story. It might be known to some of you. And then we'll look at another Gemara, and then we're going to try and take this one stage higher. Um, source number six, the Gemara in Sanhedrin. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi Ashkach Eliyahu. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi met Eliyahu Navi. I can't really explain this particular detail of the story. I don't know how to. But apparently Eliyahu Navi was sort of hanging around Rabbi Shimon Bayachai's cave. Right? If you want to find him, go there. And uh, Amalek, Rabbi Yeshimon Levi says to him, Eimat ati Mashiach, when's Mashiach going to come? Amalek. So Eliyahu Navi says, Zil shaylelididein. Why don't you go ask him, Rabbi Yeshua Levi? Go ask, the, go ask um, the Mashiach. Interesting. So, hey Chanyativ, where will I find him? Answer: A pitcha deromi. He's sitting at the gates of Rome. Omai simane. And what is he? How will I know who he is? Yativ beine aniyei sovle chalaim v'kulan sharu v'asiru b'chad zimna iu sharichad v'asirchad. Apparently, outside the gates of Rome, outside the city, all sorts of sick people, some people say that we're dealing with lepers, would sit there, and the lepers would sit in the sun, and they would all take off their bandages, so that the sun would in some way give them some relief or healing. And you'll know who the Mashiach is, because everybody else takes off all their bandages and sunbathers, but he only takes off one bandage at a time. Why? He's on call. Maybe he'll be called, right? He can't take off all his bandages. He has to quickly, if the Mashiach is called, he has to be ready to move. So he says, Amar, he'll say, maybe I'll be needed. Deloy Yaakov, I don't want to have to put, re-put on all my bandages. Rabbi Yeshua Levi apparently manages to get, you know, a flight from Eretz Israel to Rome. And Azal he went to the Mashiach and said, Amalei, Shalom Alecha Rebbe Mori. He says, Shalom Alecha, Amalei, Shalom Alecha Bar Levi. Amalei, Neimatati Mar, when are you going to come? Amalei, Hayom. The Mashiach says, I'm coming today. Atelagabeli. Okay, so I guess Rabbi Yoshua and Levi was tremendously excited. And we don't see the rest of the exchange between them. Apparently, he ran back to Eretz Israel. And at some point, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi reappears to Eliyahu. After Lagabe Eliyahu, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi went back to Eliyahu and he said, What did the Mashiach say to you? Amalei, Shalom alecha bar Levi, he greeted me. And Amalei, Iftachal chaulu avuchal al-madati. He says, you saw Mashiach? You're going to go to Olam Haba. Okay, but what did he say to you? Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi says, Shikuri shakashakabim. He lied to me. The Mashiach lied. He said, why? He said, I'm coming. Said Eliyahu Anavi to Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, you didn't understand what he was saying to you. He was quoting a Pasuk. He said, Today, 
if you listen to my voice, right? By the way, you will know where that pasuk is from. It's from our Kabbalat Shabbat, from the Chunuranana. Hayom in This is indeed the, the tension. Is he coming today? Or is it to Ben on Shuvah? Right? And this, these two options are through our entire tradition. I'll just look, if you look at the bottom of the page, uh, last two paragraphs, Rav Alexandri said, right? Well, in the Hebrew, Amar Rav Alexandri, Rabbi Shuman Levi, Rami Kativ, it says, Be'ita It says that God will hasten it. And it says that the God will come in its time. Be'ita, in its time. And I will hasten it. Zachu, if we're worthy, Achishena. It'll be quick. Lo zachu be'ita. If we're worthy, it'll be at a fixed time. It, it will be quick. It'll be sooner. If we're not worthy, there'll be a fixed time. Um, in the next, I'm Rabbi Alexandria, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, Rabbi Ketiv. Back to Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. Apparently, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi was very concerned with redemption. And it's quotes from Daniel, Va'aruim Maya. The Mashiach will come with the clouds. It'll be a very high, celestial redemption. Kabar inish ata. Or in another place, it's not in the clouds, but the Mashiach is depicted as poor and, 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 and uh, coming on a donkey. Answer, In other words, the two models are there. And apparently, well, here's the interesting thing. Here they've reversed it. We said before that the fixed time is 70 years. But if we're worthy, it'll take us... 2,000 years. Here they're arguing the other way. right? If we are worthy, if we do tshuva, we can hasten it. But if not, we'll have to wait for some late, late period of time. What I'm saying is that these two options are always there. But as you saw, both Maimonides and Nachmanides both prefer the model of 2,000 years. The model of tshuva, the model of the longer model. But I'd like to try and take Ashir one stage further by thinking about one further thing. Let's say we take the model of Bi'ita. We take the model that there is a fixed time. I don't know, some people will say the year 6,000, whatever it is. I don't know anything about these things. But let's say we said the Vayikra model is present for us, the Devarim model is present for us. What does that mean? So let me try and explain. I'm thinking about another gu'ula which happened according to a fixed time. Anybody know what gu'ula I'm thinking about? Yetziat Mitzrayim. We all remember the Brit ben Abitarim, Avram was promised, promised Kigei Yeh Zaracha, Vavadum Vinuatam Arba Meyotchana, 400 years. And we should not be surprised that when Am Yisrael leave Egypt, uh, in, in Shemot Perekud Bet, there's a particular reference which tells us here, It was at the end of 430 years. You'll ask me, wait, Abraham was told 400 years and this is 430. Okay, all the commentaries deal with this and I'm not going to get into this now, but let's simply say that it seems like we leave Egypt. Were we particularly worthy when we left Egypt? It doesn't seem that way. We seem to do a, a lot of sinning and a lot of complaining in the wilderness. Right? And therefore we come out of Egypt after 400 years, after 430 years, and we're redeemed. Great. I'm going to drink four cups of wine to that. 
But then what? I'd like to learn with you a Sfat Emet, a comment of the Sfat Emet. It's in source number four. Source number four on your first page. And I'd like to make a couple of comments about Yitzhak Mitzrayim. His comment comes from the beginning of Parashat B'Shalach. Where, if you recall, Hashem takes B'nai Israel out of Egypt and then they... Vayashuvu, God tells them that they should, Vayashuvu, they should go back. They should go back, Derech Yamsuf. And the people aren't so happy about that. And they encounter, of course, the Egyptians. And the Svatimet says the following. Daber um, Israel Vayashuvu. Why did B'nai Israel have to retreat? They're trying to get away from Egypt. Why did they reverse their direction? The exodus from Egypt was a miracle without any intermediary stages. Anything which happens so fast is temporary. It is l'sha'ah, it's, it's flimsy, it's fragile, it's not steady. And Hashem wanted the redemption of Egypt to be robust, to be long-lasting. And that's what God wants of all of us. He says, the worry is that when God does miracles and wonders for you, what happens when you wake up one morning... And the miracles aren't there, or you don't feel the inspiration. What happens when you have a shat hester, a moment of eclipse, when you don't feel God so palpably? Will it all fall apart? So he says, They need to return. Why? Because when they came out of Egypt, God did all the heavy lifting. Am Yisrael sat back, and they watched the ten plagues go on. And what did they do? Very little. It's true, they had to do a Karman Pesach as the finale. According to Chazal, they had to all do Brit Milah. According to Sefer Yeshua, maybe as well. But they didn't do very much. Because they hadn't gone through a process. Therefore, that's why they cried out at every single moment through the wilderness. They hadn't undergone a change. Why were they scared at the, at the Yom Suf? Hashem will do another miracle. They realized that now they have to do it all by themselves. In other words, even when we get a gu'ula, which is a gu'ula which given at the end of 70 years, what happens? So we come back. The people come back even before Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra and Nehemiah come along. The temple's built. They're living in Jerusalem. And what do they find? If anybody's ever read Ezra and Nehemiah, widespread Chilul Shabbat, intermarriage, the Jewish people is in a bad state. In other words, even when we get that Geula, what do we have to then do? Even if, so to speak, I asked the question at the beginning, is God waiting for us or are we waiting for God? I, I offer two models. 
According to the version that Hashem is waiting for us, of course we have to do all the work. But even according to the model that we are waiting for Hashem, like in the 70 years when we came back in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, all like Itziat Mitzrayim, that is only, so to speak, the trigger. That is only the rocket boost to get us out of our situation of exile. But then what do we have to do? We have to start working. How is it that the people who came out of Israel, came out of Egypt, were not the generation who came into Israel? Because they needed 40 years to work on themselves. And I put here, in your sheets, in source number 9, but unfortunately we don't have time to read it. But I will tell you what he says. The Ramban asks an interesting question. He says, maybe I'll put it this way, he asks, what is the theme of the book of Shemot? What is the theme of the book of Exodus? And he says, the theme is Galut to Geula, exile to redemption. If the theme is exile to redemption, then why shouldn't we finish Sefer Shemot when we cross the Red, Red Sea? We watch the Egyptians drown, our oppressors are gone, they're dead. What more is there to do? And then the Ramban says something remarkable. He says, I'll tell you what redemption is. He says, redemption is only finished when we come back to our land and when Hashem returns His Shekhinah to us. And therefore, we can't end, Egypt. We can't end the book of Shemot when we leave Egypt. We have to end it at what point? What's the last scene in the book of Shemot? It is the establishment of the Mishkan and the cloud over the tent, the Shekhinah. So he says, we end it when the Shekhinah is with us. Now every person finishes the Ramban and says, wait, 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 you forgot something. What else do we have to do to get redemption? He said, we need the Shekhinah and to get back to our land. When does that happen? So here's the remarkable thing. Apparently redemption, you know, some people think that redemption, exile and redemption are a binary um, I remember once talking to somebody who refused to celebrate Yom Ha'atzalot. He said, you think everybody is religious? You think that the Beit HaMikdash has been rebuilt? And I said to him, and do you think that we're in 2019 the same as in 1919? You don't see a huge shift and a lot to be thankful for. You can't see, you might see a cup half empty, but can't you see the cup half full? One of our problems is seeing exile and redemption as a binary. If you're not in redemption, you're in exile. What the Ramban tells us is it's like this. By the way, we have a song, it's called Dayenu. It goes a bit like this, right? It was good to get away from the Egyptians and cross the Red Sea, right? It was even better when we got the Torah at Har Sinai. We reached another higher level when Hashem put His Shekhinah amongst us. And then... In the Savior Yoshua, we get to Eretz Israel. But actually, I've got news for you. It didn't end there because we still didn't have a Beit HaBechira. We still didn't have the Beit HaMikdash. We had to wait 480 years to build the Beit HaMikdash. And then, if you've read this book in front of us, the Tanakh, it wasn't all perfect even at that point. In other words, even if you go, if you go according to the Achishena, if it's dependent on us, it is clear that it is dependent on an incremental level of us climbing up a scale of tshuva. But even if you say that we're dealing with 
a process where after 70 years, after 400 years, Hashem is going to bring the Geula. That's only the kickstart. That's only the trigger. Because of course after that, we have to grow, we have to develop, and of course it's dependent on us. You know, we all celebrate Hanukkah for eight days. question is why Hanukkah was the biggest deal. I think it's very clear. After those 70 years of exile, we came back to Yerushalayim and we came back to the Beit HaMikdash. But you know what irked the Jews more than anything else after those 70 years? They weren't independent. They didn't have sovereignty. They were under the Persian government. Then, they were governed by the Greeks. And do you know what clicked into place with Hanukkah? With the victory of the Hashanahim? Now they had the land, and they had the Migash, and now for the first time they had Malchut. In other words, there are frequently lots of pieces of the puzzle, but they don't all come in at the same time. Sometimes you have to wait 300 years to get a certain piece of, the, of, 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 that, of what we call national restoration. And therefore, what I really, if I have one take-home out of this entire share, what we've tried to do is to map out these two models. Is God waiting for us? Or is, are we waiting for God? The answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is both. Both models are there. But the common factor of both of these answers is there are no quick fixes. Uh, I'm sorry to disappoint. There are no quick fixes. Whichever model we, we have, the, what we have here is a process whereby a tremendous amount of the advance that we can make in the process of redemption is up to us. And as I give these shi, this shi'or, in the days approaching Tisha B'Av, the anniversary of the Khorban, what this really tells us is that on the one hand, we are so fortunate to be able to be, as I said, learning Torah with, in a restored Medina Israel here in the, in the hills of Yehuda. But what we have to realize is that we have our work cut out for us There is still much to do in order to perfect our society, in order to take our nation forward, and in order that we should be zocher to increase at higher levels of gu'ula as the years develop. Thank you.